comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. together from remote galaxies are some of the most sinister podcasters of all time the long box of doom dedicated to a single objective the conquest of the comic book universe And welcome to Long Box of Doom, episode 260. This is Russ, and joining with me tonight are Mr. Jordan from Jersey, Dr. Esquire himself, and Jim Dietz. Hello. Hey. Happy Happy Easter to all of you that uh, celebrate Easter today as we record. And for or celebrate 420. Take your pick. <laughs> to all of our friends in Austin, Colorado, and many, many other places across the country and world. And let's not forget Passover as well for all of our friends. That's of the Judaic persuasions, right. like Aaron, for instance. That is correct. Oh. Also, Hitler's birthday. Yeah, not so much. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, this is, 420 is a really weird date when you actually look at all the good and bad things that have happened on that date. It's, it's a strange one. Yes, it is. All we needed was the blood moon to happen on 420, and it would be a really <laughs> weird situation going on. Blood moon, blue moon, uh, 420, and Easter. Yeah. Drinking blue moon. And Hitler's birthday. Wow. <laughs> What a combo. We're not here to talk about atrocities of the past or uh, religious holidays or 420. Um, but a possible atrocity of the future, at least according to some people. <laughs> yes, that's true. No, I, we thought we'd take a little bit of break of comic reviews, specifically this week, and talk about the big Amazon comicsology Acquisition, I guess. I guess Amazon's acquisition of Comicsology, uh, a lot that came out on April tenth. A lot of discussion about that. A lot of, uh, you know, it's 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 kind of gone the gamut from the sky is falling, the world is going to end, to yeah, probably nothing's going to change for quite some time, uh, and everything in between. Uh, so I was curious. I, I you know, I kind of let the story stew for a little bit. And just to see what kind of details were going to pop out. Because like anything else, you know, when they first announce stuff, you don't get a whole lot of details. You know, everybody starts speculating. I thought, well, maybe we just wait, let it sit for a bit. And then just all of us kind of have to have an, an opportunity to formulate our own opinions on the good, the bad, and the ugly of, of that merger. So I'm just, I thought we'd maybe just start out with everybody just kind of giving their initial thoughts on like when they heard the news or what they think is you know going to happen good you know good bad or otherwise well my first thoughts were pretty much just well that makes sense and then uh, going into the future i'm cautiously optimistic i think there are certainly bad things that could come of this but in general i think it'll be positive for both you know comiXology and amazon and uh, the reader in general so it's interesting if you look at Amazon in the recent past, they've been trying to get, you know, make headway in the comics market. I mean, they have their own comics uh, imprint, uh, you know, Amazon Comics, you know, with uh, uh, original content that they put out there. Uh, they're really trying to make a lot of inroads into the comics market, but it's really not enough to be able to crack until this point. And, and Comicsology, let's face it, is as a de facto uh, monopoly, pretty much, on, on digital distribution. Uh, with a few exceptions, of course. Uh, but I, I, you know, it makes, the, I mean, the merger makes sense. I think though, I, I don't know, just on a, a quick side note here, does it seem like a lot of, of media components seem to be merging a lot more quickly than in years past? Or is it just my perception of it? I mean, we had, you know, just recently we had Google buying Oculus for FD and we've had, it just seems like the media gets, it seems to be more and more. Facebook, Facebook. Or Facebook Oculus. bought Oculus for FD, I'm sorry. I mean, it just seems like it, it, it seems like it's getting more and more conglomerated as it goes on and faster and faster as well. I, I think this kind of thing happens all the time and has, ha and has happened all the time for a long time. It's just there happens to be two or three big nerd-centric things that have been acquired in the last couple months. Fair enough. So it makes it seem that way. Right. This has all happened before, and it will all happen again. <laughs> oh, so you're a Calvinist. <laughs> <laughs> but i think uh, uh on a general tip though i think it's a good move for both of them i mean 
like I said, Amazon's been trying to make inroads into this market. Comixology owns this market. I think for uh, overall, it's going to. I mean, most of the digital market that I, I mean, I've talked to, I talked to some pretty big re retailers here in, in my area anyway. And it seems the digital market's really being drawn from a new source. It's not being drawn. I mean, a lot of people aren't being drawn away from print to digital. It's more like a new market of people who wouldn't go to a comic store, wouldn't think of themselves as, you know, comic geeks or whatever, just buying comics uh, digitally because of ease of use and price point and all that. I think, you know, the way Comixology markets, the way they have the 99 cent sales, I mean, they have all the connections with all the major publishers and they have all the stuff, you know, that that, that is there already in Amazon's reach. I think it's nothing but a win-win for both. I too kind of have mixed feelings on on the merger. I, over in general, I'm I'm pretty positive. I think it's going to be a good thing for Comicsology more so than Amazon. To be honest with you, I, I think I think it gives Amazon a good outlet. But I think Comicsology having that big Amazon money and big Amazon infrastructure behind it uh, is gonna is gonna benefit it greatly. Um, so I I think I think it's it's going to be a general positive. The thing I worry about is just Amazon. You know, kind of like Apple has this ability to kind of strong arm everyone. But in this case, uh, you know, the trick is who they want to strong arm is going to be Disney and Warner Brothers, two huge corporations. I mean, you know, we talk about Apple and Amazon, you know, strong arming like the, the book industry or the music industry. And each one of those companies in, I mean, those industries in, in, in whole are very large but they're formed of smaller components. And when you have the Disney Corporation and when you have Warner Brothers as, you know, two two of these big backers for at least the big two. I mean, now granted those aren't the only two comic publishers on the market, but they are the two biggest, so they they carry them the most weight. I think there's only so much push uh that Amazon is going to be able to exert over those those companies. So I don't I don't kind of fear the end of the world uh when it comes to that. But a lot of people question the timing of the buyout because I guess there was some talk specifically with Marvel uh, because Marvel's been making a big push towards their own app and their own infrastructure. Right now, you know, Marvel and DC both pretty much rely on Comixology for their separate apps that they that they have. They're still run by uh, Comixology, uh, the Comixology engine. Um, and if you link your accounts up properly, you know, purchases you make in one float over to the other. But Marvel's making a really big push with this whole, you know, Digital Comics Unlimited thing where you pay an annual fee and you get access to the back catalog, which I think is like six months behind, six to eight months behind what's currently on the shelves, if I'm not mistaken. At least that. I think it varies a little bit, but it's around. Yeah. There. Yeah. Um, and so there's been some some discussion that maybe Marvel in order to kind of control their own destiny and have everything in house might not re up with Comixology whenever their their contract is up. And with the Amazon purchase and maybe fear of, of getting strong armed, I, you know, I wonder I wonder if, if if that's a real possibility. And I know a lot of folks were saying that's why Comixology, you know, acquiesced to to the takeover or to the buyout from Amazon, because if if they waited too long and once they lost those IPs, then that company basically becomes worthless or it, it, it becomes a real, you know, less of a, of a, of a deal for the owners of Comixology to kind of carry forward. So, uh, I'm, I'm curious to see over the next, you know, year pr probably how that's going to play out. And the real draw of Comixology in general is their software platform. I mean, that's why. Amazon is interested in them, not just as an inroads sure. into the comic market, but like you already said, they do have some of those inroads already, and people are not generally happy with the comics presentation on Amazon devices. It's just, it's clunky, it doesn't have a lot of the, the Zoom features you want, or easy ways to view, like double-page spreads, that kind of stuff, and by buying Comixology, all of a sudden, they have that technology, which means they can you know, implement it into their tablets more easily, their Android devices, their, their Kindles, and all that kind of stuff. And it just helps give them another way to sell comics. They're already selling the tablets, and they can sell the comics as well. That's even better for them. So, I mean, I see why it makes sense for both part both parties um, to want this deal to go through. Plus, they get the guided view technology that they're using already in some of the Marvel books. Um, com exactly. Comicsology really perfected that tech and, and, that saw, and really pretty much... Uh, wrote the software that does that from the ground up. I mean, the stuff that Marvel and DC are doing now with guided view is nothing compared to what they've been able to do. So I think that'll work out advantageously even for the, I mean, for the big two as well. 
I, do, do you guys feel like Marvel and DC kind of not maybe not undervalued, but maybe underexploit the digital market? Like they could be doing a lot more. I, I think it's a tough balance because still the preponderance of the money and the preponderance of the of the flow of comics goes through the direct market. And I think if they beat that drum too loudly, I think they risk really pissing off the retailers really? and that becomes a, a real problem. I, I think it's just a matter of time. I think just like in the book market, just like in the music market, and we're seeing more and more in the video market, I think it's just a matter of time before it becomes a de facto. As, as, as much as I love the LCS, I love my print, I love print comics in general. I, I think they, they provide an important function, but I just think as time goes by, especially as the younger crop comes up, they're just going to be used to getting things digitally. Print for them, physical goods, are becoming at least anecdotally less of a of of a of a deal for them like it, you know they just don't care to own stuff you know me old farts like us you know we still you know want our you know physical physical comics for the most part although i've i've pretty much transitioned for new stuff Speak for yourself of, how i've been all digital over a year now i mean yeah, except for, yeah and, i mean the only thing i buy uh print or like on the buy are, are collected uh, hardcover editions from my bookshelf you know, everything, all my monthlies are digital now. Occasionally, like the image number ones that come out just because, you know, there, there is a little bit of collectability to that. And, you know, I'll pick up those occasionally or just as a as a tester to just kind of see what I like. But, yeah, for the most part, you know, the way that, that these companies are tr are training us, that most series are just extended limited series. You know, there's no more going to your long box and seeing, you know, a run of, 100 200 300 500 you know how many ever issues anymore i, I think from here on out we're just going to see smaller runs of under 50 issues for a series before it gets rebooted restarted new creative team whatever and i think that makes the transition to digital easier and i wonder if if that's not some of this maybe like you know backdoor maneuvering that marvel and dc are maybe doing in, in trying to get people on the digital is is a lot of it with print is collectability and you want to sustain your runs and maybe if they train people to think there are no, there aren't going to be any more hundred two hundred issue runs of comics like you're never going to see a book start and go to issue two hundred or three hundred or four hundred that it's not that big of a deal for you to go to digital because you're not going to have this this extend you know extended run and just buy things out of habit um, so I'm I'm curious if maybe there's there's some of that going on or not. Well, and you say they're training us where I would really think of it as the other way around. We trained them that people won't just jump in on issue 163. True. You know, they're going to buy those issue ones and then it's going to drop off 50% for issue two and then another 10% every issue, you know, for as long as you go. But when you restart a book every two years with a new creative team and a new focus, hey, guess what? It sells way better. So I think it's really more the other way around, although you know, if it, you know, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. If sure. that's how they see things going, that's the way they're going to go. And it's nobody's fault, really. It's just that's the way the market works. No, I, I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, the segmenting of the, I mean, comics essentially in the 60s, 70s, going through 80s, even through the 90s were serial fiction. I mean, and we've seen in the past decade or two that the real, like, you know, um, writing for the trade type thing where the, the serial fiction is segmented into volumes that are, you know, take digestible on their own without having to have the context before and after. Not, you know, as a rule, but we've seen that. And I think this is another, like, version of that by, by rebooting with a new, and I like the way Marvel did it much better than the way DC did it. It's much better as an editorial reboot. Change your creative team, change your perspective, you know, the perspective of, you know, the people telling the story and the art and the, you know, and the look of the book rather than having to change your whole continuity. Um, but I think, you know, the segmentation of the serial fiction is something that's been happening slowly over a long time now. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, one of the things we don't have is a lot of visibility into digital numbers. I mean, we have no concept of what Marvel or DC or any other publisher sell as far as volume of digital comics. I mean, we, we can get a ranked list of what's top that week or that month. But we, you know, we have no, unlike the print comics where, you know, there's, there's folks like John Mayo and John Jackson Miller who, you know, go through the numbers and, and, you know, churn that out and, and figure out how much rel roughly a comic, uh, is selling, especially in comparison to, to another. Um, we don't really have that with comicsology or with digital at all, which I, I, th I think Marvel, you know, the, the, the companies may or may not prefer, but, um, you, you know, so far we've talked a lot about Marvel and DC as far as digital, but, 
you know, we've seen too with smaller companies. I mean, I've talked to the guys at Red Five at several cons. They're based out of uh, Houston, so I've talked to them many times, and they've been big on digital since even before Comicsology. I mean, they, that's been a large portion of their uh, sales revenue for for their books, especially with like Atomic Robo. Um, I know, you know, I mean, Jim, you you have some insight into into Action Lab. We've talked to Sean Pryor in the past as well, and he's been real happy with. Uh, what they've been able to do with digital and, and they've been kind of pioneers in leading that kind of low price to, to move books, uh, mentality, which I, th- I think is a really, really smart move. Well, I mean, in full disclosure, just, you know, for our listeners, I, I do work for Action Lab. I'm an employee and a, and an investor as well. But, um, uh, I, just, I, I agree. I mean, we get a lot of our revenue stream from the digital and we get a lot of our word of mouth and a lot of our, um, a lot of promotion, like a lot of Twitter um, uh, buzz and things like that from our digital comics. And it's also a good way for us uh, to, to more cheaply try out a, a, a title that we might not be sure how it's received or what the sales might be like and kind of have a barometer before we take it to print uh, as to, you know, its popularity across the board. But um, I just, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that digital is not only a boon for, for independence, but I mean, now that Comixology is, you know, partnering with Amazon, it gives exposure to all the indie, you know, titles that are all the indie publishers that Comixology represents, which I think is huge. I mean, it's going to be, a, I, I, I think it's going to be great, like, you know, from my perspective, from Action Lab, but from any indie's perspective to have that kind of exposure and that ease of use. I mean, granted, Comixology does have the, the UI when it comes to downloading and to viewing the comics and things like that. But Amazon has one of the, you know, the, the best known, you know, brands for ordering anything on the internet. I think if anything is going to bring, you know, more customers in, it's going to be, you know, people that just kind of, they're going to be like casual readers who kind of get hooked on comics here and there, maybe, you know, having them suggested to them by Amazon or seeing them on Amazon, you know? Yeah. When, when somebody buys Wonder Woman pajamas for their niece and up comes, Hey, would you bought this? Would you be interested in Molly Danger volume one or something like that? How awesome will that be? Or if you, you know, you buy like, um, I don't know, the Avengers on DVD, you know, and then, you know, you're offered, you know, comics that, that are similar to that. Or, you know, if you watched Hellboy, you know, it's a, you probably like Atomic Robo, you know, that kind of thing. Um, the, or you buy Night of the Living Dead on DVD and it comes up with Night of the 80s Undead. Right, or, or, I forget the exact or, title. Or the, but, you know. or the Walking Dead comic. You know? Yeah, exactly. I, I just, You know, what if moving forward as they integrate that, you buy you know, Avengers Age of Ultron on Blu-ray, DVD combo, and oh, by the way, we'll send you a digital code for, you know, I don't know, the first three issues of whatever latest Avengers series sure. there is. Or Hopefully you know, not the Age of the Ultron comic. Yeah, yeah, hopefully, yeah, exactly. Hopefully something better. good. <laughs> Yeah. Well, if they give you the first three issues, it, it started off better than it ended. So That's they, true. They hook you in. Um, but I could I could totally see things like that, you know, in, in an era of wanting retailer incentives for things like that, uh, you know, and, and, and buzz around around that, that that could be a great way to kind of integrate those those two um, markets. I, I think, you know, if nothing else. Amazon will do a pretty good job of raising the profile for these things. Um, I, I don't think that's going to happen soon. I mean, there's been a lot of talk. I know they had uh, one of the head guys from Amazon, not not Jeff Bezos, but but somebody high up the chain, um, and one of the head guys at Comixology, and I forget, it was at a con somewhere they did an interview, um, and they basically said over the short term, nothing's really going to change, that you know, Comixology is going to stay where it is. I guess it's based out of Boston, I think. I could have that wrong. But it's not, or it's not headquartered... Near, you know, with, with anywhere near Amazon, but they're going to be able to operate as a separate entity, maintain their separate staff, um, and just kind of do things the way they're doing, but just kind of have the backing of Amazon. Now, every time there's a merger or acquisition or something like that, that's always the talk initially. And then once they kind of get things figured out, then I'm sure we'll see that change. But I think for the short term, we're probably not going to notice any kind of difference at all. But uh, But I could see leveraging Amazon's you know, technology is going to be huge for them. I mean, Amazon runs that whole Amazon Web Services, which is, you know, practically every, you know, big company uh, or, you know, large sites on the Internet use their, you know, basically their server farm, their their data center infrastructure to run countless sites because they're really good at being able to, um, you know, ramp up to handle volume and then ramp down, you know, with when volume uh, kind of calms down a little bit. So, you know, we saw things where, after South by Southwest, that time when Comixology offered up, what was it, those 700 Marvel comics for 
for free. They were basically all the number ones you can you can put in your basket and and buy, and then the whole thing tanked and cratered. And I could see definitely if they were, and I don't I don't know that they were using Amazon Web Services, but now that they have the backing of Amazon and being able to more closely integrate with that technology, I could see things like that in the future. These big promotions not having uh you know be so problematic as they have in the past. Oh, what do you guys think about, you know, speaking about integration with Amazon's technology and stuff, uh, and, and like you mentioned, Jordan, they do promote a bunch of stuff on the Kindle, app, you know, buying comics on the Kindle app to be, to be read on the fire or whatnot. I think one of the things we may see is maybe some cross integration between, so if you bought a, a book in the past on the Kindle platform that maybe you would get that book on your comicsology and maybe vice versa, maybe see some, uh, some integration with those two platforms to to normalize it, uh, and it'll be interesting to see if maybe in the very long term we maybe see the Comicsology brand go away or be a be a sub brand of Kindle, and and that you know because the Kindle is such a a household name outside of the you know comics industry that maybe it might get more market penetration or more exposure using you know the the kind of the kindle moniker as opposed to the comicsology moniker. And face it that's a great uh, that's a great interface for reading comics dude tablet it's, sure it's a great it's sure, a great absolutely. interface it's so much uh i mean i i know i mentioned before that i went digital like over a year ago or whatever and haven't really looked back but i mean just you know ease of use ease of access and again you know comicsology having those um i'm sure they're gonna i mean the way amazon marks things down and takes you know it's such a a small margin of profit on things. I'm sure they're going to still allow Comixology to have those 99 cent sales or what have you. Um, so I just, like I said, I just can't help but seeing it as a positive and, um, I just, I just hope it, it helps, you know, really, um, uh, uh, bolster this part of the hobby as much as I think it will, you know, as far as like bringing new people in who are interested in comics and, and, and reading them, you know, as a medium, uh, digitally or, or in print. Yeah. So there was some fanboy whining and hemming and hawing about this from Mr. Hibbs over at CBR. Do you guys want to talk about that? Yeah, so Brian Hibbs, who runs a comic experience in San Francisco, um, he's been a longtime retailer. He has a column on CBR, Comic Book Resources, called Tilting at Windmills, um, which I read pretty much every time he puts it out. Um, and whether I really uh, complete... Sometimes he's spot on, and I agree with him 100%. Sometimes he's in my estimation, way off the mark. Sometimes it's a little bit of both. More often than not, it's kind of a little bit of both. Um, I mean, it and, is called Tilting at Windmills, after all. Sure, sure. <laughs> at least you can yeah. recognize that, even in the title. And I mean, if, Absolutely. if you think about the way the comic market is, owning a, an actual brick-and-mortar LCS is kind of Tilting at Windmills. So. But I agree, he has an interesting perspective that you usually don't think of. You know, you don't, I usually don't consider fully the, the uh, plight or the uh, situation of the retailer until I read a column like his or... Or, you know, Bob Rosakis and Comics Buyer's Guide or what have you. Yeah, he, for the most part, he's kind of been, I'd say, a little mixed on digital. He wasn't, you know, completely poo-pooing digital when the, when it first came out. He was really concerned that it would have a negative impact on print. Uh, so he starts his latest article out where he pretty much acknowledges the fact that, look, digital has not or did not kill print. That, you know, numbers overall are up. There's argument to be made. I think a lot of folks are making that digital has actually driven people more towards print than it has away from print, um, you know, just based on sales in general being higher, you know, kind of at the highest point than they've been in a very long time. Um, now, whether it's a direct correlation to digital, whether or not it's just a sign that the economy is starting to to kind of come back from where it was in, you know, 2007 through 2010, you know, hard hard to say at this point. Well, I was just talking to to Wayne Wise about this, a friend of mine, not too long ago. He, he not only is an assistant manager of Phantom of the Attic, which is like an Eisner nominated retail outlet here, LCS here in Pittsburgh. He also teaches comics at Chatham University, and he said not only have, have the the um, his sales been uh, um, have, have gone slightly up since digital uh, bring uh, and it has brought in more people. He said that um, he hasn't seen before, like new faces to the comic shop to kind of check things out and maybe you know, pick up a few issues here and there. So, um, you know, what he's saying is spot on. I mean, a lot of people, I remember when digital first started, oh my God, LCSs, you might as well burn them down now. They're all going to be gone and, you know, it's all, you know, print will die. But I, I, I agree with what he's saying here, at least anecdotally from what I've, you know, talked to with him, who, you know, he's a pretty major retailer, you know, that, you know, digital has actually been helping print, oddly enough. And Jordan, you kind of highlighted a segment of that article uh, that I don't want, I don't want to steal your thunder on. So I, I, I'd be curious 
to uh, let you have the floor to discuss that first. Sure. Let me read the quote in full just so we have some context. Um, he says, Amazon is really terrific at selling you something that you absolutely already know that you want, usually cheaper and faster and with less, less hassle, too. But I firmly believe that they're mediocre at most in creating new passion or at helping you discover something that you didn't even know exists. And I say, uh, even with my mispronunciation of exists as exists, uh, that's just me being from Jersey, um, I say nonsense. I use Amazon all the time, uh, usually for MP3s, um, but also some other stuff as well. You know, lots of great, like, like he says, great prices gets shipped to you fast. But I love, in particular, their MP3 store, and I'm not exclusive to them. I use iTunes, I use Google Play, I use Amazon. Usually, I will, when an album comes out, I will double-check all three, and whichever one's cheapest or has the most bonus tracks or whatever, that's what I go with. But, particularly with Amazon, and I'd say more so than Google Play or iTunes, which, again, I use all three, they're great at going, hey, you bought these three albums. You would probably enjoy these ten albums. And sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong. But you can easily, you know, listen to a sound clip of the songs right there, just like you can on Play or iTunes. And I've bought tons of albums that way, either from their sales, which are very similar to Comixology's existing sales when it comes to to their music, um, or just to, hey, hey, you've bought an album from this band in the past, or because of uh, their cloud thing and how I have some of my music uploaded to the Amazon cloud, we know you have music from this band. Hey, guess what? They just put out an EP, and I didn't know. Or they just put out an album, or we've got a special deluxe version of their album, whatever. I find stuff through them that I didn't know about all the time, and I think not just because they do it, but because they're actually really good at it. And like I mentioned earlier in this episode... I think the integration of not just, hey, you bought this comic, here's another comic you might enjoy, but you bought these pajamas, you might enjoy this, or you bought this movie, you might enjoy this comic, or you bought, you know, whatever it is, they sell so many different types of things. The integration that they can do of, you just bought this Spider-Man hoodie, here's our top-selling Spider-Man book, or the newest Spider-Man book, or a book written by somebody who used to write Spider-Man, or Invincible because it's similar to Spider-Man. The possibilities are endless, and it's not like this is some pipe dream of, yeah, that be nice if they did it. This is something Amazon does, and it's so much into their best interest because they know, hey, if we can sell you something that we already are pretty sure you'll like, there's a good chance you'll buy it, and that's more money for us, and it's more money for the producers of that product, etc. So everybody really wins in that situation. Something just as a side note, uh, I, I looked up on uh, Publishers Weekly re- uh, in a uh, a uh, um, article that just came out today, actually. Comixology is ranked number five worldwide in non-gaming, uh, non-gaming app revenue for 2013. I believe that's it. pretty. That's yeah. pretty huge. Um, that's by the uh, app analysis firm called App Annie. So I mean, it already has a pretty big reach, and I just think Amazon, you know, like I mean, Jordan is making some really good points here about you know the, the whole you know uh, corporate synergy type thing going on. You know, uh, um, you know, recommending one or the other, and um, I, I. I I know I keep I sound like a broken record, but I only see this as a positive. I really do, and I think um, I, I do agree. Comicsology needed Amazon more than Amazon probably needed Comicsology, but I think it's going to end up being beneficial for both. I really do. Yeah, two in the Hibs article. I mean, I, I I agree with your point, Jordan, that it is a little a bit of a BS on you know him saying that Amazon's not really good at, at recommending you stuff. Uh, the other thing he made a point of is that Amazon tries to maximize its profitability and revenue, you know, by kind of strong arming other uh, providers. And I'm, I imagine he's specifically talking about the book market and he's like, well, it may be good for consumers that it's, it's probably not good for publishers. I don't disagree with him with what he's saying about Amazon and them strong arming publishers. We kind of talked about at the beginning, but I, I don't, I don't think they're doing it to maximize their profitability. I mean, if one thing about Amazon is they're they're willing to operate at extremely thin margins. I mean, they're they're almost willing to take a loss on most things to kind of build that brand loyalty. I mean, Amazon still I don't think they've still posted a profit since they've been around. I mean, they've still it's they're kind of like one of those companies that every time they announce that they lost more money this quarter, the stock price goes up, which <laughs> is kind of like the opposite of Apple. Apple announced record sales of iPhones and the stock, you know, goes in the toilet. So it, it's it's kind of a weird dynamic, but I think if nothing else, you know, maybe we might see 
more price parity. You know, maybe Amazon willing to to get with Marvel and DC and and some of the other publishers that are still you know Image that are still at like the two ninety nine three ninety nine for same day release of digital and say, look, here's what we've done on you know our analysis, and I'm sure Amazon probably has a crazy amount of of analysis tools when it comes to you know retailing and pricing and selling and all that kind of stuff. And try and get with them and say, look, you know, your market is demand. You know, you're selling X amount of books at when you put them on sale at 99 cents. You're selling X amount less when you have when you have them at you know 2.99, 3.99. If you would lower your price to, to you know to this, you know, y- you know whatever, you you could sell more books. So I- I'm hoping that if nothing else, it it kind of makes digital bridge the gap more between print. Uh, some and I, again, I I realize you know what that means to retailers and that's really puts them in a tough spot. But I personally have a hard time paying the same price for a digital book as I do a print book. Um, and most of the time, for what I've been reading, I at least wait the thirty day period. Or I don't really buy much DC. Um, but when when it, whatever I think it's the two month period now for DC when those books go down a dollar lower that's when I always buy them I it, it's extremely extremely rare that I would I would buy one of those books full price when it comes out and it's mainly because something really uh, crazy happens and I don't you know feel like going to the LCS or whatever and I buy it digitally but most of the time I ca- I'm finding myself catching up on tons of series um, you know at the ninety nine cent price point and I'm really hoping that that the movement of that of that price point really kind of pushes the others you know to kind of come down on that and i think if if nothing else amazon would have that muscle to make that point to you know to most of the publishers that aren't at that price point uh, to move there i know it's worked uh, really well for action lab we've had our all of our digital issues in 99 cents a piece uh now for i don't know almost, almost 6 months and uh it's it's really worked as a strategy for us yeah. Now, the, the other thing, too, with I think I know there's been a lot of talk in the past with Comixology is what if Comixology goes under? I mean, we've seen, you know, where, you know, Graphically, Panelfly, Longbox, some of those other providers, some of them are still around, some of them are not, where, you know, they had these deals at one point and now they're either out of business or they've switched their business model to do other things. And you'd have to think at some point those servers that they use to run are going to shut down and who knows what's going to happen to those libraries. Now, maybe they transfer over to Comixology. Maybe they transfer over to the individual publishers. Uh, you know, they, they decide to give credit if you've purchased that app in the past uh, or that, that product in the past. You know, who knows? With Amazon being in charge of uh, of Comixology, I think that kind of settles the whole worry with what's going to happen to my digital collection. Is is it going to, you know, is Comixology going to go under? Because I, I don't see Amazon going out of business anytime in the intermediate to long-term future. I mean, I, I think, was it Johnny M that made a joke the other day that there's going to be two companies left when it's all said and done, Disney and Amazon, so. Yeah, I think you should um, add Google to that list, but I agree. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> I agree. So, I mean, I, I see that as a definite plus. Um what what i i kind of see on the on the negative side of it or the worry side of it is a everybody putting all their eggs in one basket um and and just you know kind of like we saw and hibbs makes this point and this is where i could see he's got a little bit of uh i kind of agree with him to a certain degree is that you know when when all the publishers went with diamond as the single distributor for for you know direct market books um you know there was a there there's a lot of you know, there's some pluses, but there are some minuses to that. So sorry about that. Jordan had a previous engagement and he was off on his time by about thirty minutes or so. So uh, so Jim and I will too many Easter we'll, too many Easter tamales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Jim and I will kind of banter back. I and suppose. Forth. Um, but but anyway, like I was saying, uh, you know, having Comicsology is kind of the you know the big dog, the sole provider, or whatever you want to call it, even though that's not necessarily true but it might as well be is a little you know the whole monopolistic angle to it is a little you know that always makes me kind of worry just a little bit you know whenever you have one company that's uh you know kind of uh deciding you know what should and shouldn't be yeah diamond are bastards they really are i could i could sit here and list uh, a lot of different ways they 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 you know skew the game toward the big two and away from independent sure. publishers i could you know for for the next hour or two just from you know things i've heard from you know our main dealings with action lab so i definitely understand those concerns yeah um and, and so it and just kind of makes way, you... if i'm not on next week's podcast is because diamond came and had me killed by one of their 
Ninja, Ninja <laughs> Death Squad. So, yeah, you heard it here first. But yeah, so I mean, I will say that it seems like Comixology has been pretty friendly to indies, um, as opposed to, and I don't want to say Diamond has their issues, and to say they're unfriendly is maybe not quite so fair, but, um, but they are a bit draconian. I would say, I'd say that's probably fair, um, on the print well, side. I mean, of they do a lot of things that that you know really are, are troublesome to to independent publishers. I'm not sure, sure. if um. If Amazon would even benefit by doing those kind of things, so toward, I mean, you know, Comixology would under Amazon, yeah, you know, uh, uh, control or what have you. But um, I mean, things like you know, not knowing the exact day when your book is coming out, you know, things like that. Yeah, uh, you know, not knowing exactly how many copies are going to be available, you know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, but I, I, I don't see those problems with Comixology and Amazon. I mean, because digital mitigates a lot of those logistic problems. Right. And that, and that's kind of what I was getting at too is, you know, di- the one thing that's good about digital from an independent perspective is uh, everybody's almost on a level playing field. Like if you, I mean, Comixology has that Comixology submit. So if you're just one guy or one gal somewhere and you want to produce your own book, you know, you could kind of do your thing and then send it through Comixology submit and get it published. Not the same with Diamond by any stretch. No. So it, <laughs> it really, yeah, it really kind of levels the playing field for everyone, you know, in, in, if the book is kind of positioned right um, and marketed right, it almost, you know, folks wouldn't really know that it wasn't a quote unquote big two book or, you know, big three book or whatever you want to call it. I mean, you know, with social media and the Internet and everything else, you could if you really do a good job in messaging your your book digital, I think, could be a huge boon for you, because if if you, you know, really get the word out in a positive way either through conventions or, you know, Twitter, Facebook um, you know, YouTube, what, you know, whatever, however you get your message out, Google plus, um, people can just, you know, through the, through the click of a few buttons, be able to purchase your product. Whereas, uh, you know, in the, when it comes to print, you know, they have to find a comic shop, they have to go. It's, it's not that immediate you order, gratification. You have to order it through previews. You have to wait three months. Right. You know, plus, I mean, you, you get in previews, like a picture and, a paragraph, you know, whereas, I mean, look at something like, uh, you know, a successful webcomic like, you know, Guns of Shadow Valley or whatever. I mean, uh, totally successful with the online b- a model and then only going into print when it's become like fully, fully collected or what have you. I mean, uh, you know, like you said, for, um, uh, for independence, I mean, you know, that's the way it's at. That's got to be where it's at. I mean, you, you create the comic, you put it out there on the web and boom, it's available for everyone as opposed to you send it to previews. Previews can either accept it or reject it. If they do accept it, then you get to pay for the ad in previews that list your book, you know, a paragraph and a panel, but usually a cover shot, you know, of what your book looks like. Then you order it, then you wait the three months, you know, and then, then your comic shop gets it. I mean, I don't know. I, I, ease of use is a huge deal with the, with, uh, with digital, especially for me. I mean, I live, I sure. live out in a rural area, area, you know, I live on a farm and, and for me to go to my local LCS is a good half hour drive, you know. Um, so, and, and plus, I mean, digital, I'm, yeah. I'm able to get previews of things on digital that I wouldn't even consider from looking at, you know, a black, a little grainy black and white picture in a previews catalog, you know, I could see a six page preview of a new, uh, you know, online comic go, wow, you know, that, that was really great. I want to see the rest of the story and boom, a dollar later, it's mine, you know, as opposed to all the hoops you have to go through to get an indie in print. So I, I, like I said before, I can only see this as a good thing for indie comics game, you know. Now getting the, you know, the, the, um, the, the, the user, the UI of Comixology and, and the reach of Amazon. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's going to be great. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I've been, I've been up on digital since day one. I just think it's a great way to, I think it's the way the hobby is going to be going in the next 20 or 30 years. I mean, I really don't see, um, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, all, all media seems to be, you know, going digital from, from physical to digital. I know all farts like you and I like to have the book on the shelf or the disc in the box, but I mean, you know, millennials like Jordan have grown up buying everything on iTunes, you know, and uh, that's yeah. the way, that's the way it goes. But, um, yeah, I, I just see this as being a real huge boon for indie comics for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat. I mean, the closest LCS for me is literally 35 miles away, and it's not very good. It's it's kind of like a small college town LCS that doesn't have a lot of selection, doesn't take a lot of chances. Um, Austin Books in Austin, I work in Austin, is it used to be right across the street from where I worked, and now it's it's a good 
20, 25 minute drive from where we are just because I've moved offices. Um, and it makes it more difficult and it's really influenced my decision to go digital more. I mean, you know, I still rely on DCBS for trades, hardcovers. Um, you know, occasionally there were some series that were still finishing out and that are still kind of going from before the latest Marvel now reboot. So I, I, once those are done, then I'm, I'm completely out. Um, and then I, I do get some collectible stuff. Um, you know, those Batman, uh, Batmobile, you know, statues. And I was getting, you know, some other collectible stuff. So I use DCBS for that, but it, it, you know, it just, it just makes it. And again, you know, like we're saying with the, with the independence, even if your book is out, I mean, even if it's not at the point where you're, you're previewing it, but if, if, you know, an indie came out and said, get my book, you can get it today. You know, by the time I get to the point where I would make a decision to go to an LCS, I could talk myself out of it. Right. Um, and with a digital purchase, it's it's almost like it, it becomes an afterthought. It's just like, oh, OK, I'll pull up my Comixology app, click, you know, add to cart, check out, done. Got the book ready to roll. Um, and, oh, it, it just. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say a lot of the comics, the new comics I'm reading are only available in digital and really enjoying like Injustice Gods Among Us and, uh, sure. and the Beyond uh, stuff from DC. Um, uh, like I said, Guns of Shadow Valley is a great example. Uh, Hip Hop Family Tree, you know, is I, I get the collections when they come out, but I read that, you know, exclusively digitally. Um, it's only available digitally. I mean, I think that's really, uh, uh, pri the private eye, you know, that we, we, we've been raving about, Brian K. Vaughn and, and uh, um, and, and Marcos, um, oh God, Martin. Thank you, Marcos Martin. I mean, yeah. you know, these these books that are only available, and uh, again, you know, Action Lab does uh, digital debuts and digital exclusives as well. Um, so I mean, uh, you make a great great point. You know, it's like that, it's like that, you know, uh, candy bar, the candy bar rack, and you know, when you're going out of Target, you know, <laughs> when you're leaving Amazon, you're like. Yeah. Oh, hey, look, there's a new Atomic Robo comic over there. Huh, it's only 99 cents. Click. As opposed to, you know, yeah. all the rigmarole. I mean, that, that is huge. That is going to be huge. I mean, we've said it before, and, I, you know, I'm a big Marvel head. Uh, so, to me, the, the like, I, I get, like, I'm like a kid on Christmas on usually Sunday night because after 10 o'clock my time, Central, and then Thursday after 10 o'clock, Marvel puts their Friday and Monday. They always have their 99 cent sale books. And I'm like a kid on Christmas waiting for that, um, you know, waiting for that to come out to see what, you know, what bundle of books are they going to put on sale, you know, this Monday or this Friday uh, that I could use to either catch up on a current um, series that I've been reading or to fill in some gaps. Or if it's just a good, like something that I have in print, but it was just so good that I'd like to have it at my fingertips to be able to, to read it. And I've... I mean, I I buy a ton of stuff that way. Yeah, I I, I bought I uh, I I don't know. It's such a great way to catch up on full runs too. I mean, oh yeah. If it's a ninety nine cents an issue, five six bucks, you can have the whole story arc. You know, I mean, that's how I caught up on Guardians of the Galaxy when they had that sale for ninety nine cents. I just I snagged all of them. I spent I spent like twenty bucks and had you know the whole run at my fingertips and it was able to catch up it's it's such a great way i mean to to catch up with storylines that you, know, you may have passed the first time or i mean we all have we all have our budget limits you know as far as you know how much we can spend each each week each month on comics or whatever and that just makes it so much it takes the sting out of it for me anyway to pass up on something i know i really like when i know that down the road it'll probably be on comicsology and a lot cheaper so i can pick it up down yeah yeah i mean i a while ago the the Immortal Iron Fist, the Fraction Brubaker Aja run, that that omnibus went out of print, um, and the price just like skyrocketed. Yeah, and it happened to be at a time when Comicsology did their ninety nine cent sale for that run, and I literally bought the whole run digitally for ninety nine cents an issue, and the Immortal Weapons got the whole thing, and I sold my omnibus because I was like, you know, it's kind of cool to have it in print, but it's not a you know, it's not a have to have, and you know, given the premium I got off the hardcover and I didn't buy it to speculate on it. It just, it, you know, I bought it cause it was an awesome, you know, it was an awesome story and I really enjoyed it. But at the, at the same time, it's like, I can get twice what I paid for this book three times what I paid since I got it at DCBS. Um, and then just use that money to buy more digital stuff. I wish you was pretty much what I did. I wish you had sold that to me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that storyline. I would have loved to have that. Omnibus. I have them digitally yeah, as I got, well. Yeah. I got it like for 95 bucks. I figured yeah, at some point they'll, they'll, They'll reprint it. You should have called me first. Anyway, uh, enough sidetracking on that. But yeah, it's a great way to get to get um, you know series that or you know series that you missed the first time out. You know, I mean, series you know later on 
you know, someone says, you know, hey, this is, you know, this, this series, like, uh, I, I, a good example would be, um, I'm trying to think of the name of the, I think it was called The Others, or it was during the, uh, um, it was during the initiative in Marvel where they have like, uh, superheroes for every, uh, every state. And, uh, it was one of Matt Fraction's first books. It was with, uh, Barry Kitson. And it was one of those books that was kind of under the radar. And then Jordan recommended it to me and it came up on Comicsology uh, on a sale. And I signed it and it was, it was great. It was just really good. But a lot of like second tier, third tier things you have to pass up because it's just not in the budget or just not, you know, you want other yeah. things more. I mean, it's just so handy to have that there. And, I agree, you know, whenever the Comixology sale comes up, I'm always eyeing it up to see what's, you know, what's up this time. I know we spent a lot of time talking about the Amazon deal with Comixology, but one of the things I want to talk a little bit about, and it, it, it kind of is almost like an oxymoron, uh, you know, based on what we've been talking about, but is the Dark Horse app. Um, and they've, they've teamed up, I guess, with, I think it's Dynamite. So the Dynamite books and the Dark Horse books are available through the Dark Horse app. And I'm not as big of a fan. I have bought a bunch of stuff through the Dark Horse app because they do they do 99 cent sales on stuff and bundles oh, yeah. and things like that, like Comixology. But the problem I have is it's not like a destination app. Like Comixology, it's so easy to just pull up because I have such a vast library. Most of the time, I don't even think about going to the Dark Horse app. It's only if I you know get a press email or something like that that I think about it. Um, and it's it's not that it's a horrible app it's it's not it's not bad it's just not as good it still it has guided view and and things like that it's just not as smooth and not as um robust as the comicsology app in my opinion i agree um, i agree with that opinion it's just not the ui is just not as intuitive at all yeah. i mean and i've bought a few things too they have those those giant bundle deals uh sometimes on the holidays like i know on black friday they yeah. have like, like i think every star wars comic they ever put out for like 200 bucks or something but uh, i i totally agree the um the, the ui is just not as intuitive it's not as easy to get around and with comicsology i mean all of your other comics are there and it just seems kind of i mean something jordan always likes to say is you know that internet abhors a walled garden and it kind of seems like that kind of situation i mean here's you know dark horse and dynamite partitioned off from every other comic publisher you know yeah so I, just, I wonder, you know, I guess I'm sure Dark Horse has done the numbers on it or whatever, but I just wonder how much more exposure Dark Horse would get to their books if they were on Comixology. And and like I said, it's a bit of a of an oxymoron because I talk about, you know, being fearful of monopolies and not having enough choice. Um, and here I am advocating that, you know, Dark Horse would do better if it if it went and just kind of drank the Kool-Aid and went on the, the Comixology app. So, I'm I, you know, it, like I said, it's kind of talking both sides of my mouth yeah. a little bit. Uh, but you want the, you I want mean, the best of both. You want to be able to have a, you want it to be open market enough that it doesn't get constricted for the indies. But you know, on the other hand, you want, uh, you know, you want the ease and convenience of use of comicsology. I mean, it's I mean, as consumers, that's what we all want, or the best, you know, of both, you know, of, of whatever you know scenarios out there. So. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of it, to be honest with you, with comicsology is the consistency of sales. Um, you know, Dark Horse does it, but it seems to be random. It doesn't seem to be on any kind of set schedule or any kind of, you know, rotation. Um, and with Comixology, it just seems to me it's a little more organized. It's a little more uh, thought out and a little more robust. Um, and, and I think if, if Dark Horse would find a way um, maybe to raise their profile or to get the word out more or whatever, um, you know, I, I, I'm curious to how that that app could improve itself over over comicsology yeah i i, I don't know they would be hard pressed to do to do something better or easier to use so yeah um what else oh i was going to talk speaking of stuff to catch up and um non big two stuff uh i told daryl taylor i i would he he wanted us to talk about some valiant um <laughs> and I I personally use the 99 cent sales on Comixology to catch up on Valiant. I mean, whenever there's a Valiant 99 cent sale, I typically spend like 20 or 30 bucks uh catching up on stuff. So, you know, pretty much if it's a title that I haven't bought in the past, and usually what they'll do is they'll take sometimes they'll they'll focus it. So, it'll be like Exo Man of War 99 cent sale and you'll get completely caught up. And sometimes it's like the first 12 issues of every series and you can get caught up. So, 
depending on what it is, I usually use that to fill a lot of gaps and fill a lot of holes. Um, I really like what Valiant's doing. Uh, it's just not something that I, that was like the publisher. I said, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm all in on comiXology. I've got my tablet. I enjoy reading it that way. Um, I really need to kind of watch my budget as far as new books. And, you know, we talked about in the past, the spacing issues and things like that. Um, and so Valiant was like the first kind of publisher that across the board, bar none, I decided I'm not going to buy any print. And it, it's been awesome. I mean, because I've been able to read a ton of great comics. Um, I really like what they're doing with Valiant. I really like, I mean, I have yet to read a title that I just was like, eh, this is mediocre. I mean, they've all been been really solid. I've I've, I've been enjoying them quite a bit. Yeah, I, I have been a huge uh, uh, evangelist and fan of uh, Archer and Armstrong. It's one of my top. It's one of my top of the stack reads every month. Uh, Harbinger has been solid from day one. I was a fan of uh, Valiant back in the '90s as well, and I really appreciated the fact that they were what they were trying to do, and what the new Valiant is trying to do too is trying to build a universe story wise from the stories outward, rather than you know the way, say, you know, Rob Liefeld's awesome entertainment in the 90s did, where you just came up with a bunch of characters and then threw them in a book or whatever. Um, Valiant made a lot of stories that made sense. They were intertwined. It was a, it, it reminded me very much of the reading the early 60s Marvel, where they were just establishing a universe, you know, a, a shared universe for all these characters to inhabit. Uh, so I really, I like the old Valiant stuff. So when the new Valiant stuff came out, I definitely gave it a try. Um, some I've liked more than others, but I, I, I agree with you, your assessment. They're really... Um, have, has not been a clunker in the bunch. Uh, Archer and Armstrong, like I said, I singled out. Harbinger, Zero, I think, which came out last year, was one of my top number one issues in the duties. Um, that we talked, or I'm sorry, that was the year before. But, um, the, you know, it's, it's top enough stuff, and I've been getting a lot of stuff digitally as well. There's some that I do pay the full price for. Like I said, Archer and Armstrong, I pay full price. Uh, um, I, I kind of backed off of EXO. I was getting that at full price. Uh, but most of the time, I, I'm with you. I, I wait till it comes up on Comixology and I get caught up. They also sell sometimes on Valiant Trades digitally, and I do that as well. Yeah. So um, yeah. I definitely keep an eye out on that. It really it really speaks to how Comixology changed and and buying digitally has changed. You know our our comic book buying habits too. I mean, we we there was a time when it was either you know buy it on the stands or wait for the trade you know i mean there was even a time before that where there was no trade to wait for you just had to buy it on the stands or you know buying it back issues but now i'm really dating myself anyway you know we've gone we've <laughs> gone from you know either buying it buying an issue or waiting for the trade to you know either buying the issue when it comes out buying the issue when it comes out digitally buying the issue when it's on sale digitally buying the issue when it comes out in trade buying the issue when it comes out in trade digitally in an omnibus you know or what have you i mean it's just all these options have opened up all these different venues and all these different you know opportunities to to get comics in different ways to consume them and uh i don't know it's great i mean this is i've read more, i'm reading more comics now than i did even back in the 80s when i really first got into comics and I'm reading a lot of good comics too, and and the funny thing is, I'm reading less and less of the big two than I ever have. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm still a pretty big Marvel head. Uh, I mean, uh, to to my grave, I'll probably read more Marvel than I do anything else. The only DC stuff I really read, other than Earth Two and Batman, and we talked about this before, is the digital stuff, the Beyond titles, um, Smallville, and uh, the Injustice stuff. Um, but but yeah, it's just, it, it's, I've, you know, I never thought the day would come when I would stop buying print comics. Um, but it's, it's pretty much here. And, and like I said, a lot of it is, is, um, budget. A lot of it is space, probably more space than budget. I'm just running out of room to put stuff. Um, it's, it's the same and, situation with everyone. I mean, who has, sure. who has enough space anymore for 50 long boxes, you know, full, I mean, full of, full of comics. And to be to be quite honest, which would you rather do? Would you rather sort through long box, take every issue out of its bag, be very careful not to mess it up so you don't mess up the the quality of the issue, read it and then put it back in? So I mean, is it easier to do all that or just click on two different icons and have it up in Comic Rack or, or yeah, Comicsology? You know, I mean, you can't. I mean, you can't get over how. I mean, I can't get over how easy it is to just access my older comics that way. You know. Yeah. Well, and two, the you know the quality is much better. You know that you don't have all the print defects and stuff like that through the through you know Comixology. Um, but it's really funny that I've been able to you know we always used to talk about double dipping, right? You know where you would buy the issue and then buy the trade or the hardcover. Um, now we talk like triple dipping. I mean, there's there's tons of stuff where you know like Old Man Logan. I have all the issues. 
I have the Old Man Logan oversized hardcover, and then I have they they put it on ninety nine cents on Comixology. I bought the digital issues, um, and even I have the Miller Wolverine omnibus. So technically, I have it four times. I'm right. I'm um, right there with you. I have uh, um, the the Hickman run from Fantastic Four, all on digital. I got Comixology when it's on sale. I have it in hardcover, and I have some of the floppies. Um, in fact, I think I I think I have a quadruple dip as well. I think I have a quadruple dip on Daredevil: Born Again. Because I, yeah. I have the, the trade, I have the Miller collection, which has it inside, I have it digitally, and then I also have the artist's edition. Yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing that we would go to these lengths for these, but I mean, it, it also speaks to how much we love those stories, that we would want to have, you know, several ways to get at them, you know. Um, yeah. To have them, you know, at, at your fingertips all, at all times, and... uh I don't know. It, it changes the way I buy comics. It changes the way I think about buying comics, and it also changes the way I read them. You know, yeah. Um, and it just really, really has. And uh, I, I can't help. And I think it's a positive change. I really do. I know a lot of people decry. You know, oh, it's not the same. Go, to your, you have to go to your LCS, and you, you have to have the print and the you know, feel of the paper, and blah blah blah, and all the other stuff. I, I don't know if I agree with all that anymore. You know, I just, it's just, yeah. I, 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 I found, I found on, there are so many great comics I totally would have missed out on if it weren't for digital. Sure. No, absolutely. And, and um, if it had only been print, you know, like back in the day, I, I would never have seen these comics. And I don't know. I, just, um, I, 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 I know I kind of evangelized from digital from, from an early time, but I think I'm being proven right. It's just been very, uh, you know, like I said, I mean, I can't, I can't be bothered with that. I don't have that much room. I have kids. You know, a lot of, you know, we have kids, we have apartments, you know, or whatever. We have limited amount of space. People just don't have the room for that many comics, but it's, it's so easy yeah. just to have, you know, throw them on an external hard drive and go. It, it's made it, one of the things it's, it's allowed me to do is feel better about kind of buying back issues because I, I do, you know, I have, I have a few series that I have pretty long runs on, especially a lot of the X titles, which all of them have pretty much, you know, ended their runs and, and been turned over at least now two or three times. Um, but a lot of the stuff I need now, because my collection over the years, I've been able to fill in gaps and and work backwards. Now it's kind of getting on the expensive side where I need, you know, like the early, you know, Claremont burn run. I need giant size X-Men number one. You know, I need things like that, that if I'm not, if I'm, if I'm kind of being a little more frugal with what I buy currently and maybe, you know, kind of buying a little less and we get lucky, uh, you know, too between, Dark Horse, IDW, and Image, you know, we do get a lot of, uh, you know, press review, you know, uh, PDFs and, um, you know, watermark stuff. So I get to read a lot of stuff that I don't necessarily, you know, have to go out and buy. So that that helps a lot. But, you know, with some of the other stuff, I, you know, it, it, like I said, it just frees me up to go, you know, back issue diving and buy some higher grade comics and, and look at, you know, expanding, you know, my the core of my collection uh, and what I want to expand on. So, you know, if I, whereas if I was buying all that stuff and keeping absolutely current and, you know, spending, you know, 150 bucks a month, you know, like I was for a while, I, you know, I don't have, you know, I don't have that income available to, to, you know, buy a $15 issue of X-Men or a $20 issue of X-Men or, you know, whatever you, what, you know, what you have. Plus, I mean, it, it all depends on what you're collecting for. I just collect them to read them now. You know, I don't collect them to turn, turn yeah, them over absolutely. or to, absolutely. you know, I'm not, I'm not the comic book type of guy who, you know, who needs a near mint you know, uh, slabbed, airlocked, whatever the hell they're doing to them anymore, you know. I buy the comics to read the comics and enjoy the art, you know. And sometimes I buy the comics because it's a storyline I enjoyed back in the day, and sometimes because it's something I think I might enjoy now. But, you know, I always co- I always have collected to, you know, to, you know, to, for the stories and, and for, for the enjoyment of the comic rather than the intrinsic collector, um, you know, thing. Now, I totally understand with you, you have such a long run now, I mean, I understand, you know, that you want to finish it and things like that, but I also see on the opposite side of that coin, the kind of collector mentality, you know, uh, that we've seen since the 90s. It has to be, you know, Mylar bagged and near mint and I can't touch it and what have you. And and to be honest, if I owned a copy of X-Men number one or giant size X-Men number one, I wouldn't read it. You know what I mean? I would probably hang it on a yeah. wall or, or have it somewhere. No, safe. absolutely. I wouldn't read absolutely. it. Absolutely. But you know what? If I have a digital copy of X Men, Giant Size X Men number one, I totally would read that. And I don't have yeah, to worry. I, I don't have to. I have a couple other ways to read. Yeah. It. <laughs> well, I'm just so. saying, for example, you know, I mean, sure, yeah, absolutely. But I mean, any old, you know, pick pick any old Golden Age, Silver Age comic that would be expensive to find, you know, or, or, or to track down. Absolutely. Or buy. Um, 
I mean, I, I have no compunction about reading it on digitally, whereas if it were physical, a physical, you know, copy in front of me of, I don't know, you know, pick, pick any expensive comic, Marvel Comics number one or whatever. Incredible Hulk 181. There you go. There's a good one. Yeah. You know, whatever. Um, I, I would be so paranoid about just handling it and holding it, trying to read it without destroying it that I, you know, I wouldn't be able to enjoy it, you know, so. Yeah. For someone, I mean, on one side, you're, you know, I can see someone collecting for the, for the idea of, you know, you have this run, this this is a comic, you know, your absolute favorite number one comic of all time, you know, the comic you've read most and known the most about. I mean, you are the X-Men guy. So I totally get that, you know, why you want to run like that. But on the other hand, I, I you know, I would be afraid of getting a high-end comic, a higher-end comic like that and, and trying to read it, you know, which is why I collect. So, sure, I mean, yeah. everybody collects for different reasons, obviously, but, um, um, you know, that's, again, why digital is such a boon to me. I was able to um, read Miracle Man without having to spend a hundred dollars for the last few issues or whatever, you know. Yeah, things yeah. like that. So, yeah, I mean, at this point, I need probably less than forty X Men comics to have from Giant Size number one all the way up until they finish the run at five fifty or you know whatever five sixty five or whatever it was. Right. Um, you know, so I'm getting you know I'm getting closer. I, I'm I'm approaching completion asymptotically as as one of my uh, old. Uh, bosses used to say fair enough um but yeah so i'm looking through my notes here that i had for for this episode i have one one more thing to talk about uh on the apple or the amazon thing um and it was something that jordan added to as well um but i kind of had a note for amazon versus apple versus google um jordan added the, the versus google part uh the big thing with the whole amazon versus apple that may become interesting is Amazon wasn't really keen on wanting to give up that 30% to Apple for Kindle purchases. Mm-hmm. So they made a modification to the app to where, and I don't have an iPhone, so and I don't buy anything through iTunes, so I can't speak to this directly, but just, just from what I've read and you know what I see, um, you you can't have in-app purchases through through the Kindle app on your iOS device. So basically, if you want to buy a Kindle book, you go to Amazon's website, you you buy it, or you go... If you have a you know an Android device or whatever it is, you you purchase the uh, the book through there, and then it would show up in your app on on the iOS device. So I'm curious because Comixology definitely sells through Apple. Uh, that I wonder if if that's one of the things that Amazon might put the clamp down on to say, look, we're not giving up 30% of this revenue to Apple, um, and if you want to buy your stuff, you're going to have to you know basically buy it through another method to have it show up on your device because that 30% we're not willing to, to give up, but it, but it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And you know, obviously Amazon with the fire, the fire TV, the Kindle itself, the, you know, they have a lot of direct competition with Apple products. So. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yes, yes, yes. But that's, that's really all I had. I didn't really have a whole lot of other stuff. I just thought it would be interesting uh, for us to kind of talk about that since it was kind of, like I said, it was big news. Enough time had passed, like I said, for us to kind of gather some thoughts around it. And um, we haven't talked talk digital in a long time. I mean, usually on our Comics BS shows, we'll kind of talk about what we're reading and whatnot. But, you know, we don't really get too in-depth into the goings-on on the digital market um, like we did tonight. So, Plus, I mean, it's, it's I don't know, it's like I said, it's, it's, it's such an exciting time for me anyway. I, I, I don't want to speak for everybody. To be a comics fan because of digital, I mean, because of the opportunities oh, yeah. it opens up, because of the new voices and new artists and new books I'm able to read, because we're able to get comics that aren't just Superman and Batman over and over and over. We're able to get this whole spectrum of comics and ideas and artists and, and stuff being, and it's just the most exciting time for me probably since like the, the mid eighties, you know, to be a comics fan just because there's so much going on and there's, it just seems like a real explosion in the, in the hobby. So. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I never thought the time would come where I'd read more image books than I would DC books or more Valiant books than I read DC books. Uh, so do you, anything else you have to add, Jim? No, like I was just saying, it's just a very exciting time to be a comic geek, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be here for it. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. Well, I guess that, so coming up, um, I think we have some some positive things. Walking Dead is done until October. Um, Shield is is coming to a close for the summer. 
so some other stuff. So I think some time time wise, I think uh, you know a lot of us will be freed up to where we're not doing twelve podcasts a week. So I, I think next we're going to try and do probably what the next volume of Fantastic Four, Hickman's Fantastic Four, either that or the Green Lantern episode of Real Heroes. I know those are both on the docket. Right. Yeah. Definitely. But I mean, as far as LED goes, it'll probably be be the Hickman FF. Right. Um, Maybe another comics BS episode. I mean, we really, yeah, we haven't had one in a while. I mean, I've been reading a lot of really great new comics. I would love to talk about. Yeah. And I've been catching up on a lot of stuff as well. So I think, yeah, definitely, definitely there. So I I think you're going to see a little more, uh, output over the next, uh, couple few months, at least, uh, than, than we have been in the last few, uh, for sure. So, That'll about do it for our digital comics discussion. Like I said, mainly the the Amazon purchase of Comixology. Um, sorry, Jordan had to duck out a little early, but uh, it is Easter Sunday. He had some family stuff going on. So until next time, uh, you can definitely check us out um, at hhwlod.com. Definitely check out the Facebook group um, for the podcast network as well as uh, Long Box of Doom. Um, all kinds of good stuff there. You can send us an email at LOD at HHWLOD.com, as well as send us a voicemail. We haven't had any voicemails for a while. 972-798-3830. That's the HHWLOD Podcast Network voicemail line, so just let them know what show you're leaving a voicemail for, um, and we'd play that in the future. Um, and send us some iTunes reviews. We really, really could use some iTunes reviews. Since we kind of had to reboot the feed a while back, You know, we, we definitely uh, kind of lost a lot of the stuff we had before and kind of had to re-up everything. So um, if you could go and leave us an iTunes review, that would be fan. Fantastic. And just a quick shout out: we have, uh, for, since it's a comic book show, we have free comic book day coming out, and we have a special, oh, yeah. we have a special episode of uh, the Action Lab podcast uh, in conjunction with Free Comic Book Day. I'm going to be talking to the artists and writers uh, that are all going to be in the Free Comic Book Day offerings from Action Lab, including uh, Jeremy Dale from Skyward, uh, Ray Anthony Height from uh, Midnight Tiger, and uh, Brock McKinney from M Theory, and Dan Mendoza from Zombie Tramps. So. Uh, Keep your ears open for that. And the last uh, Action Lab podcast just went out last week with uh, Jamal Eigel. That was a really good interview, man. He is such a smart and uh, cool guy to talk to. So, Yeah, definitely. That was awesome. Definitely, definitely. All right. So until next time, like I said, where hopefully we'll have uh, the Hickman, the next installment of the Hickman FF run, uh, which has been fantastic. Uh, this is Russ and Jim, and I'll, I'll throw in a shout out for, for Mr. Jordan from Jersey as well. Um, we'll see you next time. There's no more room in hell and the dead walk the earth, remember? Insert something funny here. (laughs) Good Good night.